Welcome to Compass students. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Wherever you're tuning in, uh, we wanna thank you for allowing us to come into your house or onto your phone or whatever screen you're on. Uh, thank you for being a part of our family. We love you guys. We miss you guys. Uh, we're so glad you're here joining us at Compass students. I wanna give a special shout out to my Casa Grande students. Uh, we love you guys. Can't wait to hang out with you guys in person. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, how rude of me, uh, if you don't know who I am. My name is Justin. I'm one of our student pastors here. And by the end of our conversation, if you haven't, if you, I promise you'll pick it up by then. But if you haven't realized this yet, I'm a Jesus guy. I follow after Jesus. I actually don't really like being called a Christian because that brings all these religious undertones and, 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 and do better, try harder, that you can't wear a hat to church and Christians don't do this and don't do that. And it's like, dude, I'm a human being. I follow after Jesus. And that's what we see right? Throughout the, the story of people who have followed after Jesus. Matter of fact, the very first followers of Jesus didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves followers of the way, right? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone who comes to me uh, gets to the Father. And so I'm a Jesus guy. I don't really like the word Christian too much um, because he didn't come to set up a system, or a religion. He didn't come to set up morality, teaching, social justice, a uh, system of rules. He came to restore our relationship with him. It's always been about the heart. He came for our heart because it matters to him, because you mattered him. And here's the thing, I believe and teach about Jesus, not because he has these amazing teachings, even though they are amazing, or because he set up these amazing rules or things to follow, or because he paved the way to show me how I could save myself. That's not why I follow Jesus. I follow after Jesus because if anyone can predict their own death, burial, and resurrection, and then pull it off, then maybe everything they said about life is true. Maybe everything they taught we should look into. And so I don't get up here every single week to talk about ancient principles or because some book told me so, because the Bible said so. I get up here because Jesus said so. And so I wanna set up our, our talk today with a story, um, right? We're in COVID. Uh, it seems like it's never gonna end uh, and that's fine. But I was worried about the COVID-19 and I'm not talking about the actual disease. I'm worried about the 19 pounds that I was probably gonna put on uh, while COVID was going on. And right, we have more free time right now than we've probably ever had in our lives uh, to do hobbies and, and to just sit down and do nothing, right? Scroll, play Fortnite or Warzone or whatever you're into. And so I was really afraid at the beginning of COVID. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get out of shape. That's what's gonna happen because I know myself. And so thankfully we uh, had this kind of like, I think it was a God thing that God was like, hey, you need to get fitness equipment before it's like, you get on offer up now. I challenge you this, get on offer up and look up any gym equipment. And it's like a thousand dollars for 20 pound dumbbells. It's ridiculous, right? So we got some gym equipment and thankfully a friend of mine, a mentor said, hey, like let's, let's get in shape together. Let's hang out. And so he invited me to do CrossFit. And if y'all know me, like I started my fitness journey like five years ago. I've always been about weightlifting. And I'm gonna be honest, I've always made fun of people who do CrossFit because sometimes the technique's not proper and it's, it, 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 I just made fun of them. And I'm just gonna let you guys know right now here on our screen, I have asked for forgiveness to God and to many people for making fun of CrossFit. Now that I've been doing CrossFit, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really difficult. And I didn't realize, like, I, like I, every day that I do it, I ask for forgiveness for all the times I made fun of those people. But it's really difficult. And I didn't realize how much technique and, and all these things were involved. And so um, one day in one of our workout, uh, a common thing in our workout is this thing called double unders, which is awful. It's a jump roping thing where either the rope has to pass twice in a single jump. 
I still suck at it. As a kid, you know, we, we played sports, we played Nerf guns, we played video games. We didn't jump rope. That's not what we did. Like, that's not what you did where I came from in Detroit. That was just not cool. And so I'm really terrible at jump roping. And I'm getting really frustrated that like in these workouts, like I can get through the lifts just fine. But then these guys who are not in good a shape as me, they're smaller than me. Uh, I'm uber competitive if you haven't figured that out, uh, are beating me on these workouts because of jump rope. So I go to my coach uh, and I say, hey, I, I, I'm really sucking at this jump rope thing. Can you please help me out? Like, what do I need to do? He's like, honestly, you can't keep using these ropes at the gym because you're always gonna get a different one. It's never gonna work out. You need to go buy a, a, a good jump rope. And I'm like, how much is a good jump rope? He's like, well, get on this website. It's like about 50 bucks. And I'm like, 50 bucks for a jump rope? Does it really make that much of a difference? Y'all, I got my jump rope this week. I have it here with me. I'm not gonna jump rope so you can make fun of me or make memes about me because uh, it's really bad. But even just one day of using this, because uh, I got it the other day, it makes all the difference. And so the question I want us to look at today, the title of our, of our talk, our conversation today is, what difference does it make? I want you to look to someone near you and say, what difference does it make? Or, or if you're out in public, just look to someone and confuse the heck out of them and say, what difference does it make, right? Be all serious. That's what I wanna talk about. Because here's the thing, we all have big hopes and dreams and massive visions for our lives. I hope you have those for your life. But how do we make them a reality? It's easy to get overwhelmed, right? When we jump on social media and see all the issues and be like, what, what can I really do to make change? Do I have what it takes? But here's the thing, we've got great news. Not just great news, good news. And the good news is, is that when you've got God, it's not on you, it's on God. We're in a series of talks and conversations about the concept that's on God. And we base this uh, on the popular uh, Jesus is King album produced by Kanye West after he uh, became a Christian. He had a song on his thing called On God. And we hope as we continue to go through the series that you'll realize that everything truly is on God. Since the, the entire story, this entire love story that we call the Bible has always been about it being on God. And last week, uh, the amazing Dakota Kildu kicked off our talks talking about the kind of period of time of Abraham and Moses before there were ever rules. Like God was still having a relationship with us. He was still trying to, 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 to restore that relationship to make us realize that we cannot do this ourselves. And today we're gonna be jumping into a period of time after Moses, right? He sets up what we call the period of the law, right? The law was the 10 commandments. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't, don't kill people, honor the Sabbath, right? But it wasn't just the 10 commandments. If we look through scripture in, in the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, maybe the entire Pentateuch, there's like 600 plus laws and regulations. And if those rules weren't specific enough, people were, you know, throughout the years, were trying to figure out like, how do we, how, what does it mean to, to honor the Sabbath? And so then we started creating these things called traditions and what we would call modern day application of the scripture and saying like, okay, hey, the way we make sure you don't break the Sabbath is you can only walk so far on a Sabbath. They literally got that ridiculous. They would literally count their steps. They could only walk so far on the Sabbath. And if you went one step over, you were breaking and violating the Sabbath. That's how crazy it got in this period of time. And too often when we think about our faith and when people think about our faith, it's really tied to the old covenant, to this law period where it's like, you need to do this don't do that. Social justice, do right to be right. If you wanna get good things, it is completely 100% tied to your actions. And many of us live in this place 
And it's why we don't go to church because we had a bad week and we didn't string enough good days together. And my thought life and the things I was looking at on the internet, it just wasn't good. We stopped going to life group because I'm not living right. And I, I, I don't wanna feel guilty when my life group leader asked me that question. I haven't picked up my Bible because I don't wanna feel convicted. I don't wanna, I haven't prayed in a while because what am I gonna say? I'm gonna say sorry for like the a millionth time, right? I, I'm with you. I've been there, still there a lot of the time. But the truth is, is this is how every religion that exists today and that has ever existed is about. If you look and study every other world religion, and I encourage you to, um, because it, I think it strengthens our faith and makes us realize how unique our faith, how unique following Jesus truly is, because every religion teaches this. You need to, to, do, to be right, you need to do right. It's, it's karma. You need to, if you wanna get good things, you need to do good things. And if you're getting bad things and you're doing bad things, you need to shift and do something else. And that's kind of what we've always seen. And I, it's no wonder that so many of us have questioned our faith. It's, so many, it's no wonder why so many uh, uh, students and, and people are walking away from the faith because they're, they're, they're asking this question. And it's the question I want us to wrestle with today is what difference does God make? What difference does God make? Honestly, what difference does God actually make in my life? I decided this week uh, to go to the greatest source of knowledge in the world, according to my kids, Google, uh, <laughs> which we know that not everything you read online is true. And that if you've gotten DuckDuckGo, you realize that when you search some things, actually more websites come up and that some things are being censored, but that's a whole nother story. But, but when you think about God and when you Google God, what do you see? I challenge you, go Google God this week and what you're gonna see most of the time is a old white dude, bald white dude with a beard. That's what you're gonna find. You will find on this search also, which is my favorite uh, depiction of God, is Morgan Freeman from you know, Bruce Almighty, uh, Evan Almighty, so great. <laughs> but what else fits this imagery in our life? If you think about it for a moment, what, what else fits this imagery in our life? Bald white guy with a beard. Santa, right? Santa, that's, that's, that's what it is. Both of them do crazy things. Both of them uh, are, are like, hey, you, you, you better, you know, my parents used to always do this. You know, Santa's watching you. And if you're bad, you're not gonna get gifts this year, right? And then we learn that even if I'm bad, I'm gonna get gifts, right? And so it's crazy, right? Because if we think about this, we're learning about Santa right at about the same time that we're starting to learn about God. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. We've grown up. We've grown up and our views of Santa have grown up, but have our views of God grown up with us? We've grown up, but our faith hasn't. Because when we look to this period of time, it's easy for us to see the God of the Old Testament. It's all about rules. Do this, don't do that. And matter of fact, Leviticus 26 says like, hey, it's this promise. I challenge you to go read it. Heaven forbid you read your Bible during the week. I wanna challenge you, Leviticus 26. You read that basically like God says like, hey, if you, if you do what I command, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put some favor on your side. But if you don't do, I'm gonna punish you. There's gonna be consequences. And we see this throughout all of the story of scriptures that the people of God would, they would be following God closely and, they, and, and, the, and the country would start to succeed. And then they'd get a bad king who, who didn't know God and, and they just did this. And it was just this never ending cycle, right? And a lot of us, that's how we feel our life is, our walk is. And then it's no easy that the only way we ever relate to God is this way. 
That God is like some cosmic police officer waiting to punish us. That God's just like sitting there for those of you who are driving now constantly, like if you've ever had that feeling when you drive by a cop and, and like you're like, oh, what's my speedometer at? Ah, oh, that feeling, that's what we do, right? When it comes to our relationship with God, we're like always watching the speedometer of our life, wondering if this time I'm gonna get pulled over. If this time I, 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 I pushed it too far. And then it's, you know, wonder people see, all they see about God is the, the anger and the wrath. And here's another problem, right, that we need to address today is we want God. We see a society that desperately wants God or God-like figures. We want a savior. All of our movies are about a savior. We want God. The problem is, is that we want him on our terms. And really what the gospel then becomes with this mindset, we just get this gospel of self-help that, that you can just, you just need to do it yourself. You need to pick yourself up. It's, it's, it's all on you. And we see this specifically in Matthew 19 uh, in a story called about the rich young ruler. And so uh, we're gonna be opening up, uh, I'm gonna be reading from the message version, Matthew 19, starting verse 16, says this. Another day, uh, a man stopped Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? If, if you've got this guy who's doing all these miracles and this is amazing teacher, teaching like no one had else taught before. And you, you, I mean, there's kind of some inferences here that this guy doesn't quite believe Jesus is God, but he's claiming, you know, some messianic type things. Um, ask him, right? This new teacher, ask him, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He knew, this guy knew the law. He's a rich, young ruler, Everything we all wanna be, rich, powerful, and have lots of money and influence, right? That's what everyone strives for. What must I do to inherit life, eternal life? Jesus said, why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who is good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what he tells you. He's saying, go, just do what the, the law says, what the Pentateuch says, what, our, what the Bible at that time, the old covenant says, just do those things. The young man said, I've done all that. Matter of fact, another scripture uh, translates to, he says, I've done that my entire life. And he says this, what's left? Here's what's crazy is, is there's some emptiness here. This guy is, is feeling that emptiness. It's just not enough. It's, you know, if you've ever found that, like, right, if you have a goal and you chase that goal and you finally get that thing you've been longing for and afterwards, what do you need? You need more or you're, you're on to the next thing, right? He's like, what's left? And Jesus says, all right cool, like you're definitely wanting to go further with this. He says, if you wanna give it all you've got, kind of poking a little jab there, like you're not doing all that you think you're doing. If you wanna give it all you've got, Jesus replied, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor, all your wealth, then uh, all your wealth will then be in heaven. Then come follow me, right? There's the key. Jesus doesn't give him more rules. He doesn't give him more regulations. He doesn't say do, do more, try harder. He just says, all of these things are causing you to do more, try harder. Give all that up and come and follow me. That was the last thing a young man expected to hear. He was kind of hoping Jesus would build him up and say, hey, you got this. Like, man, you're so awesome. You're doing it. And that's not what he expected to hear. And so he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let go. As he watched him go, Jesus told his disciples because he could see it on their faces that they're shocked. He says, do you have any idea how difficult it is for the rich to enter God's kingdom? Let me tell you. It's easier to gallop a camel through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter God's kingdom. Because in that time period, they believed that 
right? And the Old Testament kind of confirmed this, that those who had a lot of blessings, who had all, who, he was a rich young ruler. He had everything. So he must be living the most godly lifestyle that one could possibly lead on this earth. And Jesus is like, it's gonna be easier for a, ga- a camel to gallop through the eye of a needle than for this guy to get into heaven. And it's, it's just literally, it's rocking their world because this is everything that they had ever believed. And Jesus says, continues, the disciples were staggered and they said this, then who has any chance at all? If this guy who we consider to be the best of us doesn't have a chance at all, then who does? Jesus looked hard at them and said, not a chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. And here's kind of the big line that this whole series is built on. Every chance in the world, if you trust God to do it. If you trust God to do it. I wanna look at four assumptions we've made about that's on God, about what difference does God make? And I wanna just kind of like dig through that as we go through our life this week. Uh, The first assumption is this, is that God's laws help me be good, right? That was the assumption. That was, that's why the the disciples are so perplexed. Like, Like, dude, this guy must be a good guy, which we know the scripture says that God rains blessings on the righteous and the unrighteous. But they had missed that part. They thought it was just all about do right to be right, do good to get good. And the assumption we've all held is that if I follow God's laws, then I'll be a good person, right? And Jesus immediately breaks this assumption when he says, teacher, uh, good, you know, what must I do to be a good person? He says, who's good but God alone? He rocks his world right there because he's like, you think you're good because you're following all these things, but that doesn't make you good, Right? The one, the first indicator of self-help uh, is that it's often human-made, right? We've set up these standards that we look around and go, oh, I remember going to church and people being like, oh, that, I was wearing a hat to church and I didn't, wasn't in my Sunday best. And be like, oh, he's not a Christian. Or I remember being taught that like when we grew up, that when, if we saw people smoking or doing anything with nicotine, um, that we would look at them and go, oh, they're not a Christian. Or if we saw people drinking, oh, they're not Christians. And we have all these man-made rules and regulations and practices that we must follow. If you, that's what it looks like to be a good Christian. Tattoos don't happen on a Christian, right? And they're these human-made things. And that's the first indicator of self-help is that we're always looking around and comparing ourselves to other people and going, yeah, better than that person, better than that person. Oh, definitely better than that person. And that doesn't work because here's what we've realized. If you haven't realized this yet, you don't need God to be a good person. You don't need God to be a good person. I know a lot of great men and women who don't follow Jesus, who are good people, who are good human beings. And that's our first wrong assumption we've made is that it's just about us being good. The second assumption uh, kind of builds on this, right? The second assumption is that the biggest problems in life are just, a, are just behavioral or situational, that if I can somehow get my actions together and avoid these scenarios, these situations and get myself into a better season of life, then, then it's all gonna be fine, right? Maybe you've said some of these things, right? I need to stop looking at this thing. I need to stop using this substance. I need to stop saying that and gossip. I need to stop cussing. I need to stop. Or maybe you said this relationship situation isn't good for me. This group of friends isn't good for me. This neighborhood that I'm hanging out with isn't good for me. I'm sick of saying and doing this thing that's just causing me to, to feel guilty and feel shame. Or I'm addicted to this and I just can't quit. Maybe some of you have said those things. And that's the second indicator of self-help. 
is that it's what we say versus what we actually do, right? It's easy for like when Jesus says, hey, you need to follow all the law. Don't, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, I've done all that. What's left, right? That's what he says. And that's easy. It's all becomes about what we say versus what we actually do. And the problem with the self-help view of God and religion is that we can never get past these eternal questions. And, and the biggest thing is this, is right, is, is the third assumption is this, is that God exists to help me, right? That's what, that's what this guy is ultimately coming to Jesus is, all right, what's left? I, I, I'm doing all these things. So God, how are you gonna help me get eternal life? How, what, do I, what else would I need to do? What can, and that's what we believe, right? That God exists to help me. I remember I grew up believing this, like, okay, if, man, if I really wanna make the basketball team, I remember in junior high, I'm, I'm gonna read my Bible every day. I'm gonna go to church. I'm actually gonna sing every song. I'm gonna be so serious. I'm gonna pray every night about this. And then when I didn't make the basketball team that year, it was easy to be like, all right, well, God, I'm, I'm kind of done. Because then we get into this mindset that God exists to help me. God exists to help me. If I keep the rules, if I keep the traditions, et cetera, that God exists to help me. And that becomes our assumption. That's kind of the assumption here that the rich young ruler is making to Jesus, that God exists to help him. And then Jesus says, hey, I want you to give all this up. And it's like, whoa, whoa, that's not gonna help me. And then come and follow me. And then we start to say things like this. God is only as valuable as he is useful. We might not say that out loud and that's not good theology, but that's what we believe sometimes. That God is only as valuable as he is useful. And that's dangerous. That, and then it translates to the Bible, right? We just start looking through the Bible for like, kind of like a magical formula. Like if I do this and I pray seven times that, that God's gonna heal me. And I, guys, I went through this last year when I was sick. It's like, okay, God, like God you're gonna, like if I just, if I dive into this more, if I, if I do this thing, if I, if, I, if I just get the right combo, then you're gonna help me. What application can I find from here? And then here's the problem. Then the Bible only becomes as valuable as it is useful to my daily life. And that kind of leads us to our fourth assumption, right? Because the problem with self-help view of God and religion, the, the biggest thing with these three assumptions, right? That God's laws help me be good, that the biggest problems in life are behavioral and situational, and that the false assumption that God exists to help me, it leads us to this, to this internal question, this internal dialogue of our last assumption, which is this, am I ever going to be good enough? And it just kind of feels like we're on the treadmill, on the hamster wheel. Am I ever gonna get there? Am I ever gonna be good enough? Rule keeping and traditions make our relationship with Jesus null and void. It makes it empty, right? That's what void means, empty. Because when we emphasize laws and principles, it makes us think we're better than others. And then it starts making us very opinionated about everything and everybody and, and we're always right and they're wrong because I, I'm doing all this and God's blessing me. It also leads to us making it about all the wrong things. Am I ever gonna be good enough? My question after reading about this man is this, was his life on himself or on God? And now I wanna ask you that question, is your life on yourself or on God. And I'm gonna be honest with you, most of my life, and it's something I still struggle with, I make my life all on me. Justin's gotta do it. Justin's gotta hold down the fort. Justin's gotta be strong. Justin, you can't cry right now because you need to be strong. Justin, you can't freak out right now because you need to be the leader. You need to be strong for your family and for your people. 
And I don't wanna get to the end of my life and realize I, I made it all about me. It's, so my question, was this man's life on God or on himself? And my question for you, is your life on God or on yourself? Because here's the thing, it's not about being good. It's not about being good. The whole point of this period, right? Because this story shows up before Jesus goes to the cross and pays for our sins, which we're gonna be talking more about next week. This is during the period of the law. This guy was the epitome of the law. Like he had done everything right and God had blessed him. He was rich, young, powerful, had influence. And Jesus flips his world upside down when he says it's not about being good. Who's good but God alone? It's not about being good. It's about being a new person. It's about being a new person, right? When, uh, when one of the Pharisees comes to Jesus, he says, how, how, how can I be born again? How can I, what, what do I need to do? And he says, you need to be born again. And Jesus was alluding to baptism where we literally die to our old selves and come out of the water new with the Holy Spirit now living inside of us. I believe what we see throughout the Old Testament and in the life of Jesus before his fulfillment of the law and his resurrection is that this is God is for you. The whole point of the law was to point out that we couldn't do this on our own. I remember one of my coaches, I, I really struggled with always feeling like I'm good enough. And when I finally made the basketball team, I like played practice. And every time I made a pass or shot, I'd look at coach and my coach eventually pulled me over. And he's like, hey, I, like stop doing that. And, and stop getting so discouraged every time I yell at you or correct you or, or say, hey, Justin, you didn't, you didn't follow the game plan. You know, in the play, you're supposed to do this. You broke the rule. You're not supposed to do that. And, and I would just get so crushed. And he's like, Justin, I want you to know, the only reason I'm correcting you, the only reason I'm pointing out the rules, the only reason I'm pointing out all these things is, one, you need me as your coach and I'm for you. I want you to win games. I want you to become a better basketball player. And I want you to understand what Jesus was so desperately trying to say to this guy was, I'm for you. And I want you to know today, guys, God is for you. Even when we go and when we, when we look and, and we live like we're still in the old covenant, God was for them then. And God is for you now. At your worst and at your best, it doesn't matter. God's love for you never changes. And so I wanna end with this. What difference does God make? Maybe that's the wrong question. What difference does it make? Maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe the better question is what difference doesn't God make? And what I mean by that is like, he makes all the difference because it's not on me. I'm trusting in him. My faith is in him because I know that I can never be good enough. And when I look at the law, when I look at the story, I realize it's, it's, I can't, it can't be on me because I'm flawed. Even as a pastor, I'm still flawed. I'm still figuring it out as I follow after Jesus. I can't, but I know that I have an amazing savior, a loving savior, a loving God who loves me so much and that he is for me. So we need to get rid of these assumptions and realize that you are good, that when you follow Jesus, you have been made right and that he loves you desperately and that the entire score of scripture was not to point out just to be like, to make us feel bad, but to say, hey, you can't do it on your own. So what difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world because it's on God. Look, at, look say it with me, say that's on God. That's our needs to be our new phrase. Anytime I'm feeling discouraged, anytime I'm feeling guilty and shameful, I need to say, hey, if that's on God. All right, will you guys pray with me? Hey, God, you're awesome. I'm so thankful for this time to gather and to dive into your word and to see that you're for us, that all these assumptions we've made about you, they're not true because you are for us, you are with us, you're not against us, that you love us, that the whole reason that Jesus came was because you so desperately loved us and wanted to restore that relationship with us and you realized that we couldn't do this on our own. And I'm so thankful 
that you pointed this out. I'm so thankful that you are the great coach uh, who's sitting there going like, hey, I'm only pointing these things out because I'm for you. I want you to get better. And God, I just pray for anyone in the room, anyone who's, who's joining with us, who, who needs to take that first step and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I wanna follow you. I, 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 wanna, I, I wanna be a follower of you. I wanna, I wanna accept you into my life. I wanna get baptized in your name and, and I wanna be a new person because I know I can never be good enough. And so I pray that that person would reach out to us, comment us, reach, us, reach, out, reach out, DM us uh, on Instagram or on one of our personal Instagrams and just reach out and we would walk them through every step of the way. But God, I love our students. I pray that this week that they would be encouraged and that they would just keep saying this phrase, it's on God. So in your name we pray, amen. Hey guys, don't forget to go out, love God, love people and share Jesus. We'll see you guys soon.